Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. That's what Kevin O'Leary was saying too. He was like, Every entrepreneur goes to the bank and says, my building is worth, and I'll use the numbers he said, $400 million. And then the bank goes and does their due diligence like they did here, like they do in every state. And he even went as far to say, in every American city, every single day this happens. And they say, no, your building's only worth $300 million. Here, we'll give you $150, not the $200 million you're asking for. And then they go forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. And to say that's fraud is completely basis and creates precedent to where he was like, I don't even care about Trump. This is about entrepreneurship. That's literally spats in the face of what Americans do every single day. Is that illegal to do? What's going on, guys? Welcome back into another episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Maddie A., my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What it do, my brother? What up, y'all? How was... Nash Vegas was awesome. Nash Vegas. I got to go to Hattie B's for all Ooh. the people that know. Mm. I didn't know that was the, the one. It just was near my hotel. I stood in line for 45 minutes. I saw you post some good old fried chicken. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, I will say chicken. what? The people in Nashville. So nice. Very good. I went I went out there one time before, but I didn't really know what to do. This time I had a little bit more of an agenda. Uh, nice people. Holy shit, it gets cold out there. I didn't know that. 39 degrees when I landed. Uh, so that was a little bit crazy. So I had no idea that part of the country was that cold. Uh, got that cold, excuse me. How do y'all do the Nashville fried hot chicken stuff? That stuff is good. I had two of them. Oh yeah, I would be egregiously overweight if I lived in Nashville. 100%. Downtown. That was what <laughs> I would be tapping. That's what me and Alex were saying. We were like, the food's not bad, but it's not good for you. No. I always tell people Best I banana work pudding out so ever. I be fat, but you put me around enough food, I don't think I can keep you'll, up you'll with get my overcome. working out. Yeah, yeah, you would. The banana pudding was nuts. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, we got some updates in news world economics, Mm -hmm. stock markets. We got a question of the day from Mr. Breedwell. I'll take it. On a stock pick, which we'll talk a little bit more about that. Updates on recession talk, rate cuts, PPI. Some interesting and important news that's going on in that 
honestly is going to impact a lot of investing decisions this year. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And the commercial real estate debt mountain is piling up and piling up quick. We're going to talk about how big of a potential domino that could be on the economy, on regional and small banks. So we got some good stuff for you guys today. Mm -hmm. Number one... Mr. Elon Musk was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. That's pretty cool. I think that's fairly well deserved. He's, I don't know what the criteria is for that now because I feel like when I, a long time ago, it was for like really kind, humanitarian, yeah, I'm actually curious. I'm going to look this up. So, according to Nobel's will, the Peace Prize shall be awarded to the person who, in the preceding year, shall have done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations, for the abolition or reduction of standing armies, and for holding and promotion of peace congresses. That's a very encompassing... That might be a little outdated. The standing armies one. How do you qualify? In order to become a Nobel Prize laureate, you must first be nominated for a prize by an eligible nominator. Self-nomination is not allowed except for the Nobel Peace Prize nomination is by invitation only and nominators must fulfill the criteria set out by the awarding institutions. And then it goes into that. So they like ask you who is somebody you, they would like, we value your opinion. Who is somebody you would think mm-hmm. would meet? So other laureates or individuals that have received the prize, I, I believe have some a level, level of... It's a level of like mental capacity and level that I'm not at. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you and I are probably not going to fall into that bucket. Hey, get, never say never. I ain't getting nothing in my mailbox. Never say never. You never know what is possible on the time we have left here on Earth. And I'm planning on doing some big shit. You're planning on doing some big shit. You never know how you might be able to impact the world one day. I would say this. Would the 18-year-old believe what the 31-year-old Ryan would be doing right now? Probably would think I'd be doing more. Oh, really? I was wild with my aspirations. Now I know when things don't work, they really don't work. So falling hurts a lot more when you get older. Literally and figuratively. But if you would have told me I'd be where I'm at today, at 35 years old, I would have been shocked and satisfied and very impressed with that. And now I'm unsatisfied. I was pretty confident in myself at 18. Even more so than I am confident <laughs> I was in myself say, more today. More than now? Yeah. No. Yeah, remember, I was in the midst of my sports Ooh. career. Yeah. I was doing very good. I was, I thought I damn near could run fast enough to walk on water. Like those lizards, those little ones that look. There's a lot of people coming out of the works right now, whether it's truckers, whether it's investors, whether it's business owners that are boycotting the New York State as a place of doing business, investing money. Yeah. As of the latest, your favorite, Mr. Grant Cardone. You've got Kevin... I saw Kevin O'Leary. CNN ...issued a scathing rebuke of the... He called it a loser state of New York, denouncing the latest civil fraud judgment against former President Donald Trump as an appalling and un-American attack on the state's real estate industry. He said in his interview, he was like, I'm, he's, I know that the state bar of New York bars investigating the judge for an erroneous... They're going to have to. There's no damage. So there's one... In law, in order to award somebody money, there has to be damages and they never proved any damages. In fact, the opposite. The bank that testified, I think it was Deutsche Bank, 
who yeah they said they were a platinum borrower the yeah. best of the best and they said the and they're upset on the ruling because they wanted to do business with him again so i'm like that's pretty cut and dry so this is where it gets a little scary with politics and like it would be scary if a republican was doing this it'd be scary if democrat was doing this it nobody should be like able to bend or force the rule of law literally to their political favor like that judges. It's pretty obvious that that's what they're doing. If this was happening to like somebody on the like left, I can't even imagine what would be. Well, listen right to now. this. He was ordered to pay $364 million in a civil fraud trial by Judge Engoron, which if you've seen this dude, like he gets off on going after Trump. Like he's, you know, in cahoots with the Leticia James, right? The AD that... Mm -hmm was this, or the AG that was essentially ran her entire campaign on attacking and getting Donald Trump, which then she got exposed about doing all kinds of crazy, basically fraudulent stuff. Yep. Same thing with Fannie Mills. Yeah. She's, whatever her she's name was. And she was on trial yep. for having an Sexual, affair yep. with a guy that ultimately was hired on to prosecute and work with. So it's just really weird, right? But Civil fraud by Judge Engoron, and they were ordered to pay $364 million. The case had zero victims. All loans were repaid in full. And the banks, as you said, Deutsche Bank and many others, even testified in defense of Trump hotels. And I think this is just another example of just showing if you don't fall on the right side, they will go after you. Yeah, that which is really crazy. And that this is the thing that blows my mind. I like I was saying earlier, if this was happening to some prominent figure on the left, there would literally be riots, which is the craziest shit. And so this is coming to a head, I think, in my opinion. There's going to start being some wild stuff that's happening because well, I and, I know that I'm fed up with that kind of. What's crazy too is the governor of New York State came out and said, "Don't worry, real estate investors. Don't worry, people. You won't be treated like this." Essentially saying, admitting to unfair treatment of somebody that didn't deserve it. That's what Kevin O'Leary was saying too. He was like, every entrepreneur goes to the bank and says, my building is worth, and I'll use the numbers he said, $400 million. And then the bank goes and does their due diligence like they did here, like they do in every state. And he even went as far to say, in every American city, every single day this happens. And they say, no, your bank is only worth, or your building's only worth 300 million. Here, we'll give you 150, not the 200 million you're asking for. And then they go forward. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened here. And to say that's fraud is completely basis and creates precedent to where he was like, I, he's, I don't even care about Trump. This is about entrepreneurship. You, that's literally spats in the face of what Americans do every single day. And so is it, is that illegal to do? Because if it is, we have to sue every developer, yeah. including myself in America. And that sounds pretty scary. So that's the craziest part is that's the political climate we're in. My opinion is that's going to get overturned. I have no, that will not stick. It will get overturned. And 100% I mean, there's, will get there's overturned. no way it could. They're going to assess it as fraudulent on a judge, weaponizing. A, they're going to go to an appeals court. And a judge is, another judge is not going to sign off on it. Yeah. There's no way. It's just crazy to me. I mean, when you think about it, they've arrested. Trump four times. I think he has over 90 charges and fined him over $360 million. It's just wild to see how one guy who's on the in the crosshairs of a very powerful organization 
that likes to have control ultimately has somebody who's threatening them on the other side and they're doing anything and everything they can. And now what you're starting to see is more and more people coming out and saying, this is not against Trump or Biden. This election is not about that anymore. Yeah, it's about like... this. It is is about saving the freedoms and the democracy of America that ultimately a lot of the left has dressed up in sheep's clothing as a wolf. And they're coming to get anyone and everyone. It probably happens every fucking day in California. Sheep dressing up like wolves. Yeah. But just, it's just to a point where it's like, hey, when is it going to stop? And like, I don't know who's putting up with this crap, but it's, there's more and more people who are not normally flag, Mm -hmm. uh, what is it, flag stakers, thank you. And they are staking their flag that, hey, this is not about right, left, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, I agree. It's not about that. It's simply about what's right. And again, I don't get what is... what People don't like Trump because I know why people don't like Trump. We both know why people don't. Yeah. yeah. It's, you either know, love him or you hate him. Yeah. There's and really no middle ground. Correct. But now he's standing for something bigger than what people dislike about him. Agreed. And he's doing it in his way, which is going to make people still hate him because he's a fucking bull in a china shop. But man, at this point, it's so crazy to know that there's still people that would celebrate the treatment of or seeing people treated like that, whether it be Trump, whether it be people on the other side of them, whether they see rules or regulations enacted, because those exact people were saying that those rules, the non-existent rules could be made against them. So they need these rules now to be made against somebody else that protects them. It's the wildest thing, man. So crazy. It really is. Another play on free speech, globalist billionaire George Soros is poised to save the United States' second largest radio broadcasting company from bankruptcy with a multi-billion dollar investment, giving him a potentially controlling stake in more than 220 radio stations in the process. According to the court filings and sources close to the situation, the 93-year-old philanthropist Soros Management Fund has scooped up over $400 million in debt from radio and podcast company Odyssey, which owns 235 radio stations across 448 media markets. Odyssey? Odyssey is just a big platform for podcasters and online radio. Okay. And ultimately, I personally don't tap into that. But no, obviously, but here, so the company formerly known as Radio.com, most notable holdings include New York's WFAN, 1010 Winds, Los Angeles, KROQ, Chicago's, right? So it's the big news. Oh, so they're the major metro markets. Media kind of markets that, again, you control the narrative, you control truth. That's... And I think this is another example of George Sutton. Soros. He has got to be... Dude, look at him. His, his eye bags are practically down to his chin. Yeah, dude. The dude is it on looks his like an, Honestly, it looks like an uncooked chicken breast slapped <laughs> under his eye. It does. But either way, right? I think it's just another ploy to show that people want to control the narrative. And thank Ooh. God for Elon Musk doing what he did with X. Whether you like him or not, yeah, he what he did with to... the platform or not, Community. The fact that he created that space to remain, or yep. he he saved that space to remain a place of open dialogue, whether you agree with the dialogue that's happening there or not, I think was so important and just shows that more and more people who want to control those narratives are going to go after the, the channels that they feel like they need to have control over. 
Yeah, and we so often hear about people with a lot of money using their money for not so savory things. And this can be one of them where we can say, look at the financial sacrifice that was made in order for us to have a community space that we could, you know, share ideas and do it without having to be, you know, audited, put through a filter so much. Hey, this might hurt somebody's feelings. So you can't say that. But if they say something that hurts your feelings, it fits with the current narrative. It doesn't matter. So no one-sidedness. And I think that disagreeance, being able to like health, have healthy disagreements with people is one of the most important parts about America. Because if we don't argue, if we are always status quo, we'll never innovate or change or challenge things. And those are the, the hard things sometimes that come up in personal relationships and business conversations yeah, and absolutely. investing. And that's what pushes the ball forward faster sometimes. And then things always being done the exact same way. Healthy debate, healthy tension. Those are the things that force necessary stress and conversations and ultimately results that come out of that. When everything's status quo and everybody's yes, this, yes, that, there's no innovation or evolution that comes out of some of these very challenging and sometimes heated topics, right? And that's why I like... I don't... I'm not necessarily a fan of Charlie Kirk. He's, He's a little too conservative, a little too staunchy for me. And he's... That being said, I love the fact that he gets in to these debates and conversations with the other side and welcomes the conversations. Yeah. And he puts himself in some pretty heated, high-tension situations. And yet, I've seen people that literally start the conversation wanting to like physically hurt this guy and his family and wishing the worst of things to him get into debate and dialogue with them. And at the end, it ends up being a relatively productive, at least more enlightened discussion. And that's what we need to be having more and more of, especially in times like right now, when all they want to do is it's this side or that side, it's black or white. And I don't think when we're talking about a lot of these topics, you can't just bucket them on this side or that anymore. When you're not forced to debate or think critically about your position, it it honestly erodes on your level of, I don't want, not consciousness, your genius, how smart you are, how, where's your street smarts? This is why blindly listening to the news is so dangerous, no matter which news network it is, because that's not how the world works. You're supposed to go out and experience things for yourself. One of the things that my mom taught me when I was growing up is never use somebody else's experience on something you haven't done to judge it. Understand their experience. Yeah, understand their experience. Hey, when I I ate that, it was really spicy. But I like spicy food. So I might enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I need to know that it's probably going to be more spicy than normal. This is my stupid example here. But I'm just saying, don't use somebody else's experience on one thing to make it the truth for yourself. Yeah. Because that's a dangerous mindset to get in. That's how you blindly follow people who don't challenge their own selves. Talking about how if somebody presents themselves as perfect and always making the right decision and never making the wrong decision, you should question yourself if that person's an honest person or not. Because the smartest people in the room will tell you they've made some of the most erroneous mistakes and that's how they've learned so much from them. Yep. Shifting over to economic news and stock market updates, PPI was the big one that we were tracking this last week. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with what PPI stands for, that is the Producer Price Index. And the PPI Index program measures the average change over time in the selling prices received by 
domestic producers for their output. The prices included in the PPI are from the first commercial transaction for many products and some services. This is a definition given per U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. That came out this last week. And it came in not only hot, it it came in yeah, it was Nashville hot chicken hot. Yeah, it was too much. It was that was worse than the CPI report Why? earlier in the week. Cuz the CPI report earlier in the week was reported as hot but it wasn't. It was flat and then we had a an uptick on it was flat on core and, and a slight a little uptick on on a headline which yep. headline moves like that. So that's not what that wasn't very but the much news. moved based on a lot. that. But then it it fully recovered right up, up until the PPI reports. And, and the then PPI, what did the market do? Since then, it's been very choppy. That was last Friday. So market's going to be down. Had some volume at the end of the day that looked good. But a lot of selling today on Tuesday when the market opened today. And that's that's typical of a holiday weekend. That That's not something I've never seen before. But the catalyst for this week, in my opinion, is going to be Wednesday after market NVIDIA's Earnings because we already just saw. I have to hear the transcript on the earnings call later, but we saw Palo Alto Networks. That's what I was talking about when I came in here. Last time I was down 14 or 16% or something like that. It's up 4% since I checked it because it was down as as much as 20% after hours. There's a lot of knee jerk. And this is why after hours trading doesn't have the same type of halting and stuff that we have. And that huge traders trade after hours. Not a lot of retail investors have access to it. I do, but it's limited. That's a huge swing. I would expect they get that to get eaten up by bulls that are not going to sell their positions. They're going to see, hey, the stock is down 16, 17, 18. They believe in Palo Alto. Let's load, it, let's load it back up and average our position down. I don't know if it's going to cover the full in one day. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the dip buyers are going to come out of the woods and buy. But that's the type of movement we could see, if not more, in NVIDIA if we get a a surprise uh, to the downside on some negative information from them. And they're one of the Magnificent Seven right now. Yeah, so people are NVIDIA is really leaning on them. Wall Street's most traded stock per Reuters. Really- I haven't checked the short float on it, but I'm sure it's pretty high. What does short flow mean? Percentage of the stocks that are held by the public that are held short, not long. So that that being the Wall Street's most traded stock could be somewhat skewed with that data? Yeah, absolutely. Got yeah, it. It could. Because whenever somebody takes an option position out on the stock, they're borrowing that stock from somebody. Whether they're borrowing it for upside or downside potential is is irrelevant. It's being borrowed. So that's a transaction that'll happen. Now with PPI coming in hot, that's going to kick back rate cuts. It has to. And then just it's we were talking about it earlier. The basics of it are it's going to the labor market is just too secular, secularly tight. Whenever I go to say that word, I choke on it. Secularly tight. And what will happen when the labor market is this tight is if we have any easing in it, it's actually going to spike unemployment because places are not going to hire like crazy if mm-hmm. they're not hiring like crazy already. And then what businesses will freak out, I think, and do is they'll start laying off their employees. And that'll add to that number and then it'll push us into a recession because it'll cause fear and panic, whether it's warranted or not. So they're going to hold rates to likely try and avoid that. A melt, yeah, some version of a melt-up somewhere in the market. Because if they don't with these data points that are coming out now, it's just going to cause... It's just going to cause headaches. And I know that I've been on here for the past four months saying cuts in March because I'm talking on the current data that's coming out. The, the hard part is 
we're balancing now current data like today's with last month and last quarters. And the problem is last month and last quarters hasn't caught up to today's. And so they're just... Until that kind of both of those are speaking the same language, they're not going to cut. Now, the Federal Reserve, I believe, or did, did come out and... They said they will cut the federal funds rate, likely cut the federal runs rate funds rate starting in June. And this was according to a slim majority of those economists. Which is good. And the, the recession indicator finally has caught up to where the, it, we don't really see a lot of... Yeah, this was also released per Reuters in a business research group that said the conference board's leading economic index no longer signals a coming recession for the U.S. economy for the first time since the summer of 2022, even as the index declined in January for the 23rd month in a row. I would agree with that. And I think that's going to continue to trend in the right direction. But things that could derail that are cutting interest rates too soon. I heard... Or uh, holding them too long, which is it's a double-edged sword. But I think right now, the risk is still more to the early cutting. It just looked really good towards the end of last year and beginning of this year. That was a very high potential. And that was starting to become consensus. and starting to be talked about more until CPI just still a little sticky from December and PPI is still high for where, where it should be and where it needs to be. I saw a pretty bold potential prediction from a couple of individuals today. I don't think it was merited or backed with a whole lot of data. That being said, that the potential of the Fed raising rates in 2024. No, 0%. 0%. Yeah. Tell me more. Why do you think that? And, that, and that what would, would even warrant something like that? Nothing. This stage, they I don't see how they could possibly no, even justify doing that without stepping on their own toes. Yeah, they would completely. Yeah, it. Yeah, no, I don't even know how to answer that. But just by saying that there's a zero percent chance they raise rates this year, it's easier to say that when there's a zero percent chance. It's harder when you know that cuts are coming. Or, just not or, sure when. Just not sure when or how aggressively. Yeah, because we're on this floating data data train. And that's why it's hard to take positions sometimes and why a lot of analysts or other people don't like to take positions because it's very easy to be wrong on them. But it's important that we do this kind of stuff for you all so that you can hear why we're feeling the way we are and it can be translated into outcomes or what the data says and why it says it. The important thing is cuts are coming this year. And so it, it, if it's not March and it's not May, it's going to be December, or excuse me, June, December. And you're starting to hear, again, you'll start to see little nibbles of it so that it can get into the market so it's not such a shock. If they do cut in June, they're going to tell us that in May. Probably indirectly, mm -hmm. but they're going to. Read between the lines. They're going to tell us the meeting before they cut because they need some heat to get into the market before it happens. I would say it'd be very smart for them. That's why I was very big also on March because there's you know a January meeting, nothing in February, and here we are in March. So I, I just thought that time in between would allow the market to get some of its froth out of it. Meetings being back-to-back -back in a month can cause a lot of choppiness and doesn't allow the market to get some of its exuberance out, the sticker shock of it out, for lack of a better term, and then for it to calm down and settle. So we'll see. I'm still very bullish on stocks for this year, especially second half of the year. Capital One Financial said it will buy Discover Financial Services for $35 billion in a deal that would bring together two of the nation's largest credit card companies. Anything worth noting there? 
nothing burger? Does it matter at all? I think Discover is everybody might not everybody. A lot of people have a story about them being their first credit card. They're super good for balance transfers a lot. They're aggressive on that. They're very much marketing towards millennials and first-time bankers and stuff. Capital One uh, works really good for people with not as great of credit from what I understand. Not a huge anything to me. I don't think they're going to... American Express, Visa, and MasterCard are the big three that have the world market. Visa has still almost 50 or right over 50% of all the transactions that happens on a day-to-day basis. I don't see that going anywhere because City and Discover are... Merging, I think City and Discover are merging is smart because economies of scale is starting to get much higher. Visa just hit their highest stock price ever and the company's at its highest value ever. So that was probably a strategic move so they didn't get washed out or picked up at uh, pennies on the dollar when they can still have enough money to merge. We talked about younger millennials gaining some growth in their wealth portfolio. 63% of young adults believe the stock market is a great place to build wealth and invest, but many are not participating with 61% not saving for retirement each month. Mm. This is per CNBC. What is your take on that? And ultimately, I think most of the people that are listening to this show are the individuals that are getting the benefits of being invested in the stock market and following that sentiment that they believe the stock market is a great place to build wealth. And they're actions and the investments that they're taking are reflecting that. I agree. If you're not, uh, I think the first step for everybody is when they get their employer-sponsored plan. And that's a great place to start. And I would say that if you have an employer-sponsored plan, that it's not a bad place to stay for at least that match. But I really like to encourage people. Retirement is an arbitrary number. It's whatever you want it to be. If you are putting money into your company's 401ks or Roth or SEP IRAs or solo 401ks or any of those qualified plans, you are pretty much saying you are going to work until you're 60, at least, and probably 62, because that's when you can tap into your Social Security under current law. That's fine. A lot of people want to do that. I would prefer to retire. The definition that I use for that is not selling my time anymore not using my time to generate income, using my assets to generate income only. So it's really, truly passive. And that's retirement to me. I would like that to come much sooner than age 60 or 62. So I prefer to use non-qualified assets. I'm not in the fire thing. That can definitely work. But you have to invest a lot of your money in order to retire even at those ages, almost 15 to 20% yeah. of your income. So when people just... A lot of people fall into the same category that that uneducated investors, which is the majority of retail investors, not talking shit, just you guys are. That's why I have a job. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And they want it on both sides where, you know, I want to live this lavish lifestyle and my income goes up. So my cost of living goes up. But when my income goes up, I don't invest more. Or when, my, or when I see my investments have one negative week, month or year, I get completely discouraged and I just go and spend it on stuff that gives me instant gratification. This is the fallacy that most people fall into is they just, they think things are sexier than they are. And they're used, we have instant gratification from all sources of our lives now. So falling into that trap of being like, this is not satisfying me right now. I don't want to commit to this. I want to just keep going and doing stuff that makes sense right now. That's going to, you're just going to have to keep spinning that wheel like a hamster because if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. You have to have long-term investments or long-term investment success. Well, and every time you break that continuity of the beautiful eighth wonder of the world, which is the compound effect, mm. you hit that reset button every single time, yep. which is 
why having a plan, sticking to it. The plan I have with Ryan is not sexy, but every time I get a year under the belt and it compounds with another year under the belt and it it gets sexier and it continues to validate and affirm all of those decisions that you make with the long-term goal in mind. You have to have short-term income-generating focus, but you also have to have that crockpot mindset of the long-term ingredients that go into creating that great dish that we know the crockpot can over the microwave that spits out something rubbery and not so tasty. And that's the same thing with everything. So that's why, obviously, we and you specifically make yourself and your team available to all our Millionaire Mindcast family. Anybody that wants to connect with Ryan, his amazing team, go through your investment portfolio, do an actual x-ray on it, build you up a comprehensive plan that either complements it or is maybe a different look based on Mm -hmm. what it is that you're doing and what goals you're actually trying to achieve. That's something you do complimentary and free for everybody. They can text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. We get people that text in every single week. So if you haven't taken advantage of it, that's how you can connect with Ryan and his team. All right. So as we wrap up on kind of stocks in the market, question of the day, if you had to invest $10,000 in the stock market and sell the stock at the end of the year, which would you choose and why? And of course, I know you got to share your disclaimers. It's not investing advice. But just curious on if you yourself were to just slap 10 k down today based on what you know, what has maybe a good store of value or some good upside, or maybe you're being more aggressive, what would your 10 k be put towards and maybe give a little context on risk versus more conservative versus some of the other things that you might be considering when it comes to answering this question? That's a good question because there's a couple companies that I don't own. And I'm, I would say these are probably the ones that I'm, I, I'm almost afraid to speculate in. But if I had a magical $10,000 that came up and it was just for nothing and I could just... Purely speculative. Yeah, just for fun and for example purposes. Got to check with your financial advisor, obviously, and make sure this is a good investment for you because all investments hold loss of risk and all that good stuff. Not a recommendation to buy this security as well. <laughs> we could go on uh, for just in case it's not clear to anybody. <laughs> I'm not recommending you buy anything we talk about. I think that a fun example to see what the price would be at the end of the year based on what it's trading at now would be Rivian. Probably Rivian. I think that's and probably- tell me more what it, why and what are your thoughts about that? They had a good earnings call. The last quarter, actually, it was in September or December. The stocks beat up pretty bad. Still has a really strong brand, goodwill value on the name. People really like the brand a lot. I love the way their vehicles look. Yep, there you go. People really like how their vehicles look. That's a new. It's a twist on the Tesla. Teslas are very vanilla. A lot of in a lot of people's minds, like all the cars look exactly the same, just different versions of themselves. So I like Rivian. I don't know where it's trading at right now. $14, $15, $16 a share. I think that they probably have a price target on the street somewhere north of $80 a share. So $15.89 right now. There you go. So that might be one that would be very interesting to see if $10,000 was put in sometime this year, what it would be worth at the end of the year. That could also go completely upside on its head. But I think that they're like, they may be in a position right now where they're almost contracting, moving sideways, which I think the stock has been doing for about two years. And we're about to get into this cycle where people are going to have and want more beta, high beta assets. And I think the beta on that stock is well above one, probably close to two. 
Did you see the beta on that one tone? Okay, it's probably close to a two, maybe even a three beta. So you can get two to three times maybe what the S&P 500 of the market as a whole has a return on that year. That's what that risk factor tells us. So that's my two cents on $10,000. And if you had to pick another one, maybe what, the second or third one that you were mentioning you've been paying attention to? Um, Man, I gotta see. I might... Something with exposure to... Maybe like an AMD. NVIDIA is pretty, uh, pretty up there for the cost. I'm not saying that we don't own it. We do. I saw that they moved their stock target or stock price target up from what, 750 to 1050? That's going to be really hinging on yet yeah, Wednesday's earnings call, but that's very, that's good. I hope it goes to 1050. AMD, I think, just has a little bit more. They're earlier in that cycle. I don't know if they're going to have an NVIDIA type cycle. Mm-hmm. Probably highly unlikely. But that one's very interesting to me as well. I think they're, they have a new chipset that just came out. It directly competes with the NVIDIA chipset. That's very much for what semiconductors are being used for now in the chip data, the AI kind of stuff. And I also think they just inked up a really big deal with Microsoft to use Yeah, AMD's I saw that Microsoft chip. was going after NVIDIA partnering up with AMD, right? No, or, NVIDIA was going after Microsoft for partnering up with AMD because AMD got it, right? and Microsoft, I believe... Wrote a contract. Not the first time they've done that. Mm. It was mainly, you know, they were mainly doing PC processors and graphics cards back in the day only. But AMD did uh, ink up a contract for them for their for some of their chips because they have more in, of an AI focus. If you guys want my expert opinion on what stocks to pick, because I know obviously, you know, I'm the guy to give it to you. I'm just saying, go follow Nancy Pelosi's stock track stock picker and just follow what she's doing because she's got a pretty good track record that is proving to be very well performing in the last couple of years. This is true. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Shifting over to single family residences, not too much to note here. One thing I did notice was that mortgage loans in forbearance have continued to decrease very slightly. But that being said, we're still not seeing a lot of distress in single family and commercial is really where most investors are paying attention to right now. Nearly 20% of outstanding debt on US commercial and multifamily real estate, which is just shy of a trillion dollars right now. $929 billion will mature this year in 2024, requiring refinancing or property sales. Uh, there's an estimated $85.8 billion of debt on commercial oh, property, which is considered distressed currently at the end of... January of 2024. We've also noted that US banks hold about 2.7 trillion in commercial real estate loans. 80%, according to Goldman Sachs economists, is held by smaller regional banks. More than 2.2 trillion will come due between now and the end of 2027. About 14% of all commercial real estate loans and 44% of loans on office buildings appear to be in negative equities. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, 
how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So... Mm -hmm. Do the math there. We've got a, a, a pretty short window of time with a very significant amount of debt that is maturing or that to have something done with it. And if we're looking at 44% of those loans on office buildings being a negative equity, well, there's a big chunk of real estate assets, specifically, right, a subcategory commercial asset, which is office being a significant domino that is going to topple and fall over and have to get restructured, repurposed. Something is going to happen yeah. with these assets in certain markets all around the country. And that ultimately is going to create a ripple effect, not just in the office sector. That's going to impact other assets in those markets, in sub-markets, in industries and sub-industries. So again... Those aren't to be said to, to scare you, but more so to keep in mind that when somebody throws a pebble in a pond, it doesn't just sink to the bottom without there being any ripple effects. There's something that is going to play out. And we don't necessarily know how far those ripple effects are going to go and how quickly they're going to move. But what I do know is I'm already starting to see some pretty significant opportunities and discussions happening in these spaces. So we'll continue to track that. Nothing really that is significant enough to talk about right now. Talking about what is happening with Blackstone handing back the keys or talking about what's happening with the Sterlick group. And there's just... These are things that don't matter to us. No. But they're going to at some point in 2024. And I think obviously a big part of that is going to be tied into everybody kind of holding their breath and waiting to see what the Fed's going to do with rates. They will cut them. The only question really now is when. Consensus is cuts. When, nobody knows. When and how aggressive is ultimately, specifically, what I think... The longer they wait, the more aggressive they're going to have to be when they start, which is also the thing that I just scratch in my head. Right. And if you think about that, I'll just stay in the commercial real estate lane. So many people that fall into that data set that I just mentioned to you, or so many groups, asset holders that fall into that data set of distress that is mounting and coming due, they're holding their breath yeah, they got as long as they possibly can to say, give us some relief, Fed. Drop rates and allow us to get these deals more in line with where they need to be. Or at least get us in a position where we can have a, a reasonable conversation with the bank to maybe restructure something. Or maybe a reasonable conversation with the seller or a buyer, I'm sorry, who wants to buy our asset. We can figure out some creative... But right now, 
they're in such a between such a rock and a hard place that they actually can't do anything. So they're handcuffed by these external factors that they have no control over. They can't engineer anything into their asset to make it make more sense. Correct. They can't physically do anything. So therefore, they're at the mercy of what the Fed's going to do. And I think this will be interesting to see if the Fed really cares or not that much about commercial real estate. They care. You think so? Oh, yeah. It's too big. Because that's hard to ignore, right? Yeah. But is it also potentially a reset in certain assets, in certain markets that they think can actually be a part of the equation that balances out what they're doing? Yeah. That creates some distress that allows them to come and play this teeter-totter of relief versus I think they're gonna let They're going to let a lot of places fail, but they're going to let a lot of the big guys swoop them up and reconsolidate them into less fewer big guys so that when they go to regulate this, they have to regulate less people. The regional yeah. banks are the... I was going to say, when you think about regional and yeah. small banks holding... Those, that's the issue on the That books. amount of debt, right? That's a, They're going to let them fail. Like they let all of them fail and they're let some big bank come and buy them up and deal with their problems later because that's money talks. That's yeah. what you guys got to figure it out. Money talks at the end of the day. And then when, it, when push comes to shove, that's all people care about. Yep, absolutely. And make sure that you are getting your fair share. I saw this post today. And I figured we'd wrap up by sharing this piece because I thought it was a great reminder that we all fail getting two levels of success. And when you think about the most successful people, they're really the people that have failed the most, failed the yep. most consistently, failed biggest. And there's so many people that I know fail, whether it's with their health, whether it's with their financial plan, whether it's in their marriage. And I think one thing that is most important is that you continue to get back up. And I saw this post today that says, be the person who still tries after failure, after frustration, after disappointment, after exhaustion, after heartache, be the person who musters up the courage to believe that a new attempt can manifest a new outcome. Be the person who still tries. And yep. I think there's a lot of people that default to just is what it is. Yeah. They put their head down. They go through life as Eeyore with their tail between their legs, not believing that if they continue to get back up and try one more time, that it's possible for them. It is. And so that is my final closing message for you guys today. Again, X-Ray to 844-447-1555 if you want to connect with Ryan and his team. If you're not on my deals list, all my credit investors that have been taking advantage of some of the offerings that we've put out and exposed to our accredited investor network, you can text the word DEALS to that same phone number. And of course, don't forget to check out MillionaireMindcast.com for all the great tools and resources we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family. Until next episode, we appreciate you guys listening in. Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million bond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned 
with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's X-Ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.